Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, my name is Ian Cheeseman and this is a podcast dedicated to all things Manchester City and of course football. If you listen in other parts of the world, it might be soccer, but whatever you call it and whichever your team you support, preferably City, uh, then hopefully you'll find something interesting to listen to uh, in this podcast, which is supported by Howard Solicitors who are based in Stockport and Ashton, Cheshire, so in the Greater Manchester area. They have got a website, though, which is howardsolicitors.com. So if you're facing problems with access to children, for example, social services, just been a, in an accident, something like that, have a look on the website or give them an email, law at howardsolicitors.com. And I'm sure they'll try and help you, especially if you say you're a City fan and they heard about it on the Forever Blue podcast. And thanks very much to them for their support. Now, as always, I have three guests today, including... Um, Former City player and uh, City legend, Gary Owen. It's always a delight to have Gary with us. Um, we've also got two fans, uh, Louisa and Adam. So um, I'm sure we'll have a great debate and there's lots to talk about. Last week, by the way, if you missed the podcast, um, have a listen back to it because we didn't focus as much on the football, but there was a lot of discussion about atmosphere and Pep's comments about um, what, what he'd said about improving the atmosphere and getting more from his players. And it was a really interesting debate. I've had a lot of feedback from that, very positive, about the contributions of the three guests that I had on that was very informed. And, uh, and, and I found it actually quite informative as well, even though I'd like to think I know a little bit more than some fans. I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but because of the sort of life that I live. Uh, but even I sat there listening to it thinking, wow, this is fascinating. I didn't know that, didn't know that. So have a listen to it if you've not already heard it. We're going to concentrate a little bit more on the football in this podcast, starting with the FA Cup victory <coughs> against Arsenal, but also we can look back on the victory against Spurs and Wolves because we didn't cover that as much last week. So let's start with you, Gary. I mean, our newspapers love to do this thing where they go, what are the five things you learned from the game? Uh, against Arsenal. I'm not going to say five and I'm not going to say counting them, but what did you learn from that, that game against Arsenal in the FA Cup? Well, it's obvious that it's not about the performance, it's about the results. And in cup ties, that's what it's all about. Arsenal did not want to replay. We did not want to replay. Um, and if you have to name one thing, it was, it was not about the performance, it was about the result. We had to win the game, which continues our dominance of Arsenal at the Etihad, I think the last time they beat us there was in 2015. Uh, so again, it was it was to put a marker down, uh, especially when we're, we were going toe to toe with them for for the Premiership. But what did surprise me more than anything is Arsenal's team, because no Ramsdale, no White, no uh, Odegaard, uh, Martinelli in particular. I don't get that, especially when both sides have got no game, and I think, for nine days. Um, it's a great opportunity for Pet, oh, sorry, for Arteta to actually take his team that is full of confidence. They've been beaten once and probably shouldn't have got beaten at Old Trafford. Uh, they were probably the better side and had better chances, but, but United won the game. Having said all that, Arteta, I thought he'd gone all guns blazing. Come to, come to us, they're in form. There's no to play great football and take five instrumental players out of that lineup to take on City, who were the champions, who we went full strength, trust me. And even when, even if he didn't agree with the team he picked, 
he then brought on the other players that perhaps you would have had on at the start anyway. So he, he utilised his full squad uh, last night, Pep, to, to, to get that result. And he knew how important it was. And he just, it just baffles me why Arteta did not come full strength to take on City and put that flag, that marker down there to say, right, OK, we've not yet had the FA Cup and now we're going to take you from the league as well. It's psychological as well. And although he, he made changes, and again, he only made the changes, the three changes we, we brought in one goal immediately after we scored. It's like after the horse has bolted. But I was delighted. And again, not a good performance by us. Uh, not, when I say not a good performance, not a good performance of what we're used to seeing, fluid football and what have you. And there's a lot of players, in my opinion, and not showing the form they've showed in previous years. And that's probably why we're not playing and flowing as well as as we have done in previous years. But we are getting the results by hook or by crook. As always, you make some very interesting points, which we can expand on. And I'll bring the other two in in a second. But before the game, as you know, I do a match day vlog, which you can follow on YouTube. And I asked people whether the game against Arsenal in the FA Cup was going to give us any indication of the Premier League title race to come. Most of the fans I spoke to before the game said they believed it would and that it would be a statement. And from the way you've answered, Gary, it sounds like that's what you wanted, really. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so after the game, when I talked to people, you know, I said, was, was that the statement? And I, and I called my match day vlog City Make a Statement. And I, what surprised me is quite a few City fans even have commented on it saying, wasn't much of a statement, was it? Uh, and to answer your sort of question, did Arteta not play his biggest team because he didn't want this game to be the, de the defining one in terms of the psychology between these two teams? He wanted to keep a little bit of his powder dry for the game on the 15th of February in the Premier League. Nobody's going to tell me in or tell the players of Arsenal. You only got to look at Zinchenko's uh, face. I think he was disappointed not to start. He wanted to start there. Nobody's going to tell me that Arsenal Football Club, uh, I don't know what, what Arteta's thinking, obviously not the same as everybody else, uh, because the team he chose, but everybody wants to get through to the next round of, of the um, of the FA Cup. It, it, it's a nostalgic trophy. Everybody, everybody that's foreign that comes to this country to play in this country, all want to play in the FA Cup final. They all want to do it because they've watched it from kids. It's just a great occasion at Wembley at the end of a season. It is great. FA Cup is FA Cup. And, and, and nobody's going to tell me, on, uh, OK, I'm, I'm years gone by, but even today's players don't want to play in an FA Cup final. They all do. So uh, for him to, to, to gamble, because that's what I think he did, gamble, he certainly didn't underestimate us, to gamble, on that team being good enough to beat us in a cup final, knowing that if you get through, you've only got three more games and you're into the final of, a, of, of the most prestigious, probably, cup in the world, the FA Cup. is the most prestigious, without a doubt. Um, <clears throat> so it surprised me. Well, when that team came out, <clears throat> excuse me, it shocked me more than more than anybody. I didn't think for one second he would have um, he would have picked that side and left important players out. So for me, it was uh, it was first strike to City even before the before they went out there. It didn't it didn't look like that half time because I felt that they are probably the better of the first half, which surprised me also. And we couldn't get out of our own half. I mean, they had us penned in. There's no two ways about it. I've never seen us not know what to do 
well, I've never seen under Pep, but they absolutely penned us in our own half with four of the probably most important players not playing. Uh, and I was concerned about that. I was only hoping the second half would be better, and it was. But I think also the the influence that party has for them uh, in the middle of midfield shouldn't be underestimated because once he went off, there was a distinct difference. I know we up, upped our game a little and we got back to our passing game and started moving people about, but that party has shown, shown me is a better player than I thought he was and he was missing the second half. But having said that, I don't give him monkeys. And for Arsenal fans, I said, I was listening to some of the phones on the way home, Arsenal fans said, no way, yeah, we don't care about the FA Cup. Yes, they do. That's why they brought 7,000 to the Etihad because they care about the FA Cup and the chanting they did for 90 minutes because they care about the FA Cup. They're trying to just, they're trying to just put a blanket over it to say, oh, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. Now we have to take them on in the league. But, you know, there's plenty more games to come before them. What did you learn from that game, Adam? Um, well, that the Arteta uh, clearly didn't want to show his hand off uh, to, to Guardiola. Um, I was wondering what team he'd put out and but he clearly just didn't want to reveal too much ahead of the game in a couple of weeks. I remember that period where we were playing Chelsea uh, a few games in a row leading up to the Champions League final in, uh, in 2019. And in the FA Cup game, we played a weakened team, probably because of you know fitness as well. But it looked like neither team really wanted to show the full hand in the FA Cup, even though it was a semi-final at that time. And it felt like a bit like that yesterday with Arteta. I think Pep had to do it and had to play a strong team because of how rocky we've been in terms of form. Um, he just yeah. picked the players that are just the most, you know, passionate and, and that care the most at the moment. So I think what I learned from it is that Guardiola's determined to keep playing the players that are the most enthusiastic and are the most headstrong out of the group at the moment, regardless of who traditionally has been on better form or who traditionally is key, like Bernardo Silva, for example, um, or Kyle Walker, who, you know, has barely been out of the team. So, yeah, it just seems like Pep sticking to his guns. And even though we're not performing great, He's determined to stick with it to try and increase the level of the rest to try and like build us from there. So, um, yeah, it, I think Pep's team was just as interesting as um, Arteta's, but for, for different reasons. What about you, Louisa? Uh, well, I've learned that we can still play rubbish and win. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I totally agree with Gary about being penned in. Um, I don't, I think we just couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't move. Um, but then the movement that, that we have started to produce because of bringing in players like Haaland and, and Alvarez, we still weren't feeding them that ball. You know, I mean, in, in my mind, we've brought those two players in because they can, they can, you know, run quite fast and quite hard up the pitch and be on the receiving end of a, of a long ball. Um, but that, again, didn't happen last night. There were many runs that I noticed that Harlan was making, even Kevin was making. Um, I, and they just weren't being, like like in what, the last time I came on and I said the same thing, you know, they weren't being fed that ball and it was quite frustrating. Um, but then I also feel that, that the FA Cup is a tournament where players raise their own game and it's always been one of those tournaments where teams don't necessarily put out their full strength a side you know they do bring in the younger ones it's how Phil was able to develop by being brought in in FA Cup games and we could see that the magic that he could bring um, and so I, I kind of feel like it's a tournament where other players do get that opportunity to shine um, regardless of, of whatever else is happening so nobody knows what, what went on in Arteta's head 
said or why the decision was made to put that particular team out um and we'll we'll never know it might have been a, a decision from above who, who knows but um I, I i do feel i do agree that it's it's a trophy it's a cup and arsenal are, are desperate you know to, to start bringing some silverware back in but maybe a little bit like what we were feeling uh you know a few years ago of a trophy um not not a trophy but the premier league you know that's that's the ultimate prize for a team in england in england in in the british divisions and maybe he is thinking about that maybe he doesn't feel like they can just come in swoop in and take all the trophies that that they're that the tournaments that they're in you know maybe that the, the main prize is the premier league and and he has to that that's what's more important to the club more more than anything else regardless of those fans and what the fans want I mean there is a theory that City's all modus operandi this season is to win the Champions League uh, but um, obviously in terms of trying to focus just on one tournament and I'm sure you'd agree with this Gary it's Absolutely. impossible to just focus on one isn't it I mean you you, can, you can't just all right we're going to go for that one this year and, and sod the others it it doesn't work in the mentality of players, does it? Well, there's not a team in the Premier League good enough just to decide which one they're going to win. And that's been proven ever since the uh, the Premier League started. You cannot just say, right, OK, we'll put our, all our eggs in one basket. We was uh, eight points, I think, behind United with six games to play. And we overtook them. Uh, Liverpool, when they were leading us one time, we came back and, and beat them. Again, I don't get why Arteta did not play his, his, his full side. And as for thinking, oh, well, he doesn't want to show his hand. Hang on a minute. We watch we watch Arsenal every week on TV. Do you not think that Pep hasn't watched? And when I, We know exactly the way Arsenal play. We know exactly the way they play. They're trying to copy the way we do. So it, there's no rocket science to how Arsenal play. It's just the personnel that's different. And if they'd have had the... Uh, the strongest personnel out last night, which I've already stated, it wouldn't have been a far difficult more game for us. And who knows? We they might have gone through and not us. Who knows? But we know exactly what Arsenal do. There's no surprises what they're going to do. They brought in a Trossard now, so we know what Trossard does. He's done it at um, a Brighton for, for many years. Uh, he was incorporated more more on the left hand side uh, last night, which he he's been for, uh, for Brighton. But you can bet your life. Uh, when he's picking his strongest side, Martinelli will start on that left-hand side. So not showing his hand doesn't work for me because we know exactly what Arsenal do. What does, and I'll repeat again, what did surprise me, and I was glad it surprised me, he didn't pick four of his players that I thought would have started and should have started and has started all season. Uh, so he, he, for me, made the wrong decision last night. And, and uh, to think that he can put all his eggs into one basket and concentrate on... On the Premier League, I tell you what, he's not been in the game long enough, obviously, to think he can do that because no team. We've seen how many times teams have been pegged back just after Christmas. I'm not saying that Arsenal will get pegged back because they're playing good football, but you know the squad that they keep saying, "Oh, we did it because you know we only keep the squad." It's all right, we've got the squad. They get a couple of serious injuries, then it's going to get tested. John Stones again yesterday. I mean. <sighs> I mean, obviously, he can't do more than four, five, six games and he pulls up with something. Now it's a hamstring now. He's, he, he seems to be being injured more and more since it's, since he joined us. And that is a big loss for us because I do believe that Pep thinks he's our best our best defender, rightly or wrongly. Uh, so it would be a big loss. And you can tell by Pep's um, 
um, comments about John's injury, saying he didn't look right from the start. And well, we, well, as manager, if he didn't look right from the start, Pep should have done something about it. He should have took him off. Uh, he, he shouldn't have played him. Uh, but I suppose you have to trust the players sometimes. But Arsenal, if they think that they they're going to put all their eggs in one basket with this uh, Premiership, good luck because we all know how hard it is to win it. We've won it for out the last five and, and it's not been an easy one on any of them. And that's why Liverpool's not won it for 30 odd years. That's why United have not won it since I don't know when, since Fergie was there. So it's it's a difficult competition to win, probably the hardest. So if he's putting all his eggs into one basket, which he's only got the Europa now and he's got the league. So I would imagine he's going to take the Europa uh, seriously. So we'll wait and see. But Arsenal's got a long few months ahead of them. And I'm looking forward to see how they react to it. You've mentioned John Stones there. I agree he's been outstanding this season, probably last season when he's been available, uh, which does beg the question about defence generally, because there seems to have been a lot of shuffling around of the defence. Um, do, do you have a strongest back four, Gary? I mean, is Rico Kyle Walker Lewis... Kyle Walker for me. Kyle not, Walker. not Rico Lewis. No, Rico, listen... He's done exceptionally well, but if you're going to have Kyle Walker or Rico Lewis, I'm sorry, Kyle gives you just that bit more. He's only 18, Rico. His, his time will come. He's a great defender and he will, he'll play time for us. But Kyle Walker gives you that extra extra pace, not only going forward, but defensively as well. I know he got done on the line by uh, Martinelli yesterday and they and he tried to flick it in the near post. But listen, Martinelli can do that against anybody. The fastest or the slowest in the world. So give him a a bit of credit, but he would be my um, he would be my my right back, and that's nothing against Rico Lewis because I think his time will come, and he's a great player to come. And he's already, he's already proven he he's been man of the match on uh, on a number of occasions. But Kyle Walker experience, know how for, for the Premiership, he's got to he's got to keep him fit and keep him in there. Rico come in and do his job, maybe midfield somewhere. As uh, Pep's already said, he's like his his little arm. Not Lamb, Lamb that was at Bayern and he changed him from a fullback into a midfield player. Uh, Diaz has not even started for this season. How how colossal was he when he first joined us? You don't Why lose do you think that. that is, Gary? Why do you think that is? Well, he's had his injuries, hasn't he? He's had well, injuries. He's fit Kanji, again, though, now. And a, I know, but Akanji's been fantastic. Akanji's been fantastic. What has surprised me, what has surprised me, well, maybe not, not last night, but what has surprised me, that when he's been on the bench and what we've been leading comfortably like we were against Wolves why did he not give him half an hour that's you know normally Pep after 60 minutes he'll bring people who's come back from injury and all the stuff but he's not started for some reason I don't know why even when we're leading 3-0 so Diaz has been excellent but Akanji has been excellent he's probably been our our best defender central defender I believe he's strong he don't give the ball away much um, and then you know, Laporte has never done anything wrong when he's played. So we have a luxury of players. It's just getting those players who are in peak form to be playing at their best when we need them. So he's moving them around, but giving them all a little bit of a rest as well. But I think back for goalkeeper and two centre defenders, you look at any successful team, going back as far back as you want, from Liverpool's to Arsenal to United, you could name the goalkeeper and two central defenders that played almost constantly because that is the core of your side. That's where it starts from. It's the defence and that is the rock of your, of your side and anybody else plays around there. Uh, so Pep, I know you might say it's the modern game, but Pep, it changes the defenders. Although Akanji's played most games 
uh, and Stones when he's been fit, he's played. But the goalkeeper, um, now we're getting to the the part of the season where, where every result counts. And it does count, because if you lose a cup, a cup game, you're out. You lose a league game, it puts you further back. You've got to play your best keeper and your two central defenders, and you've got to put your your marker down on those two and say, right, these are my two defenders. If one's out of form or injured, you bring one in. But I think those three are important. You look at all the successful sides. Arsenal this season, the goalkeeper, Ramsdale, uh, Saliba and um, Gabriel, they played almost every game. <laughs> played almost every game. And the, and the most successful sides in any league, in any country, the goalkeeper and the two central defenders are almost ever-present. And that's not been with us. I'm not saying that's why... A few points behind because I, I think we have the quality if we get back to what we can do to be able to pull that back. We've done it before and we can do it again. I want to see Arsenal what happens to them when they start to draw one or two or lose one, and it will happen. They're not going to go through, through them because if you go all the way through the season, uh, they're going to have 120 points or something, so that's not going to happen. We'll see. We've not even mentioned Nathan Ake, who I think, uh, I mean, I know it's an easy one to, to, to say because he scored the, the winner against Arsenal, but I thought his defensive contribution was outstanding. And obviously he's played centre-back as well. Um, you've been listening to that, Adam, very intensely. What, what, what do you make of... of um, I know we're talking about defence at the moment and yet City won 1-0 you know, against Arsenal, so there's clearly not an issue defensively in that statistically before that it was Wolves 3-0 so again no problems with defence um the the Tottenham two goals that were conceded were you know unusual cock-ups if you like at the back but not as such defensive problems um is it important that City have a steady back four in your opinion and, and who is that back four yeah I do think it's important particularly the way we play too so not only just defensively when you look at you know, the United's in the past, the Vidic and Ferdinand just being strong and being the rocks. These are the guys that build up our play. Um, they're the people who are shifting it. Um, and I know the number six controls the tempo quite a bit, but also the centre-halves, how quickly they can shift it between them and the full-backs. That's really important too. So the centre-halves and the full-backs, the back four need to be on form and quick and sharp for us to be able to play quick football. And I think that's been our issue for me so far this season and why things have been a bit flat. It's just been a bit slow and maybe um, having a solid back four, having a proper left back that we should have signed in summer for a start would have helped us increase the tempo and, and make our speed a bit quicker so that we can get up the pitch faster, we can move teams around easier so they're not just sat there waiting for us to do something with it. The crowd will be more up because we've got proper, we've got a, a running fullback overlapping or we've got a fast winger, for example. It all just seems a bit static. And obviously that does start with the back four uh, and the centre-halves. I think I don't put too much blame on the centre-halves for how we, we've maybe started because I think it's just been injuries. Um Obviously, the club backed Pep when he needed another centre-half and we got a Kanji in. That was like a last-minute thing, but the club did well bringing him in because he knew our injury record with centre-halves isn't good. Um, they're all great on the day, but you know, every now and again, they're getting an injury too, far too often. So um, I don't think it's not our fault, but we're just, we're just full of great players that seem to pick up loads of injuries at the back. And that's, that's my issue. But my strongest will be... Uh, Walker, um, hopefully now his head's screwed back on after the World Cup, he just seems to have lost it. Of course, Walker's in there, he's been brilliant since we signed him, arguably the best pet signing, um, and, and so underrated, even though I've probably slagged him off of quite, a, quite a bit in the first couple of seasons for his liability, but 
Um, and then fit, you've got to worry the Stones or Laporte, because I think they are great passers of the ball and bring the ball forward so well, whether they've got it or whether they're just playing a long pass or cutting through the lines with it. And then you've got one more typical defender, like an Akanji or Diaz, I think, next to him, who I really like. I, I like one real ball-playing centre-half and one who's a bit more physical and a bit more, I've got a bit more about him. And I see that in, in Akanji, like like we saw with Diaz in the past couple of seasons. So a mix of those two, I quite like at centre-half. Um, but does it really matter whether you've got the same two? Probably does on on history, yeah. Um, and I think that's sort of maybe shown so far this season. We need to just have consistency, and it's hard to find when you got so many injuries. Obviously, Ake again not mentioned there. I mean, is he now first he's a choice? Back, isn't he? He's, well, been he's played at centre back, and and I'm um, presumably we're saying <laughs> Ake is now first choice left back. Yeah, and Gomez, the player that was brought in, he's not not really in contention, is he? Well, Gomez, I don't think he's good enough to play at this level. I think we were going to plan on loaning him out in the first place. Um, and we only kept him because we didn't get Kukurea or bring in a better left back in the first place. So it's poor planning from the club. Um, we've landed him in over his depth. And it shows when he plays for the under-20s, is it, for Spain? He's a winger. He's not a defender. He's got not a defensive um, bone in his body. Um, and you can see that. And it's a shame for him, really, because he looks out of his depth. And he is. He shouldn't be at the club at the minute. Um, so it's meant that Ake stepped in and done really, really well. Ake's brilliant anywhere. Um, but I was just thinking pure centre half. You're thinking if I want someone as a centre back, I'd want one of those, one of those four. But Ake's so good um between that left back position and centre half position. He's perfect for the way we're trying to play at the minute, which is without a left back, a natural left back. Until um probably about a month ago, Joe Cancelo was the left back. Um what what's up? What's gone wrong there? I mean, any of you can Jump in with that one. Gary? Well, for me, it was the best left-back in the world. Uh, I think before the World Cup. I don't know what happened the World Cup. He didn't play regularly for Portugal either, which surprised me. So I don't know what's going on to him. But now he's a player that seems to lack confidence. He now hesitates. He gets it. And you can see what he wants to do, but they, he has a second thought about it. Now, whether or not he's frightened of giving it away, or I don't know. But he, he just is a shadow of the player. Like I said, right at the beginning of this uh, this podcast, is that there's a lot of players that are a shadow of the players that they were uh, beginning of this season, last season and the season before. Why that is, I don't know. We even looked a bit leggy last night as well. They look, they look far more lively than what we did. We looked a bit um, lethargic in our play. And again, we started very slowly from the back and whatever, but, but Cancelo, for me, he was outstanding. He got back to something a little bit like Old Trafford. I thought he, he started to play a bit then, how, how we know he can play. Uh, but I don't know what's happened to him. And obviously, Pep sees him in training every day and decided not to play him. So, again, I don't know what's happened to him. It happened, obviously, when he went to the World Cup. There seems to be a number of players that come back from that World Cup that don't... It has been levelled at Phil Ford as well. I know Phil's injured at the moment, but, you know, there's been that's been levelled at Phil again. But, you know, he's a young player and young players go through. They're not going to be great every week, all week, every se- uh, uh, every month. So they do go through that. So it's it's a learning, but uh, a learning pattern. But Phil's come back and he seems, you know, a little bit different than what he went when he went. And, and Joe Cancelo is definitely, because for me, I love watching. It was as good a midfield player as, as, as we've had. 
of the season. But now he just seemed he seemed to have lost it. But like I said, at Old Trafford he seemed to have um, have come back a little bit. But he's not played since, so I don't know. I don't know what's happened to him. The last thing I want to be in this podcast, or generally anyway, as a lifelong City fan and journalist, is a sort of conspiracy theorist or a spreader of rumours or whatever. What astounded me, though, last night was I was working in the press box because for FA Cup and Champions League, I covered the games for Indian television. So when I walked into the press room, I won't say who it was, but the first person, the first person that spoke to me said, what do you make of all this unsettled problems in the dressing room and and I thought well I can't comment on that because I haven't heard about that all I can hear is fans or other people suggesting this uh, I have no idea if that's true there's no indication to me that there's a problem um, and he wasn't the only person who said that to me I got home after the match and uh, my son said to me why uh, none of the three Portuguese players playing is that is that a coincidence that Ruben Diaz, Joe Cancelo and Bernardo didn't start the game. Is, it, is, is, is that an issue? Um, I, I don't think we can really resolve this one. I'm not asking anybody to comment and say, oh, yes, I've heard that or whatever. But it does make you wonder, you know, what, what you know, because a lot of City fans have been saying, you know, that there's something not quite right. In fact, Ilkay Gundogan even was quoted in, a, in an interview recently, as, you know, saying that something's not quite right. Um, what, Louise, I mean, did you, I'm not asking you to comment on, on these rumours because that, that's just uh, ridiculous, but I'm, I'm putting them out there because this is the experience I've had talking to people, may or may not be right, but do you sense there's something wrong? Yeah, it's quite strange you've brought this up because I'm just sitting by myself watching it feel the same way. Um, there's just this really sort of weird underlying current that, that again, it's sort of massive conspiracy theories. There might be absolutely nothing going on whatsoever. Um, but I feel that some of the players on the pitch, even when they're playing, even when they're starting and playing the entire game, they just don't look right. Kevin De Bruyne doesn't look right to me this season. I don't know why. I don't know what, what's changed. Um, a couple of matches ago when, when I last did a podcast with you, he was just walking around the pitch he wasn't even running he wasn't running for the ball he wasn't calling for the ball you know you'd see him wandering around somewhere and and I, I was just like what's he doing like what <laughs> get involved what's happening um Phil Foden is he injured is he not match fit different stories coming out of that um is Phil out of favor I just I honestly don't know are people's noses put out of joint because of teams that are being started because of how players are like Haaland are coming in and scoring all these magnificent goals when you see players like Mares and people are going to think I dislike Mares and I don't but I feel like I'm always picking on him but I always feel like he's, he's not really a team player he's a very selfish player and when that works that's fantastic to watch. But most games, it doesn't work. And again, he's selfish. And again, he just tries to keep the ball too long to score his own goal, to get his own little bit of glory. Nine times out of 10, he doesn't pull it off. He doesn't score. So then, and then there's other players screaming and crying for the ball in the box. You know, we were always a team that weren't, weren't getting the ball in the box for the longest time. We were constantly passing and skirting around it. And suddenly we've got players in the box get the ball in the box so I don't know if people are uh, there was rumors about Gundogan leaving you know Bernardo leaving are they leaving are they not are they staying so 
you sort of feel like there might be some fundamentals or foundation to, to the rumours or to, to the feelings. But I do honestly feel like those players don't even look happy when they're on the pitch at the minute. Um, you know, there was some, you, you said we've not really spoke about Ake very much, even though Adam touched on him. Um, you know, he's come back from the World Cup, in my opinion, a completely different player. He's come back exactly the player that, that I was excited to see when we first signed him because I think he took a very long time to settle down and settle in and I don't feel he looked actually that comfortable in that central midfield position he made quite a lot of mistakes when he first joined us and now he's suddenly coming into his own he's he's playing magnificently I would absolutely keep him at that right back uh you know and, and keep him uh, sorry at left back and and keep him on the pitch he's now made that area his own I feel really confident when he's going for the ball. Last night, he did actually make a couple of mistakes in the first half. He gave the ball away too easily quite a few times, but then the rest of the game, he, he made up for it, you know, and of course he scored he scored the goal, which was even more fantastic. Um, so there are players that have come back that, that are playing magnificently from this World Cup. And then there are players that, that came back and seem to have gone off the boil. So is it Pep? Do we feel like he's going to stick around? Is he causing some unrest? Because he's not rested. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Interesting. I mean, again, somebody said to me yesterday that Pep was... I didn't see the post-match interview, but, you know, he looked a little bit on edge. Um, and I don't know what to make of it all. I mean, I was at the press conference on Friday and, and I had put a tweet out and... List, sitting, I have the privilege of sitting there listening to this guy and I think the absolute world of him, um, not just as a coach. And I, and I made a point in the, the tweet that I did, win, lose or draw. It isn't dependent on winning. I know that, you know, w w it's ironic that we're sitting here having this podcast after City have just beaten Arsenal, who are top of the Premier League in the FA Cup to cut, around to the, cut through to the fifth round. We beat Chelsea in the, in the third round. Um, City within touching distance of uh, of the Premier League, the top of the Premier League, the second in the league, the through to the last sixteen of the of the Champions League. Um, there's not an awful lot wrong, but but yet there is this constant undercurrent that something's not quite right. And and when Louisa was speaking, then I saw you nodding along a couple of times, Adam. You know, is, is that something you? You know, and I know you're a journalist as well as as a fan, but is that something that you? feel yourself or is that the are we going in the wrong direction here no yeah i definitely agree i do feel like something's a bit off um i think it's the tempo of the play i, I think but but that's obviously led by the fact that the players maybe aren't up for it as much this season maybe it's the champions league thing the club are so focused on trying to win that all the players that we've got apart from the ones that perhaps we've brought in in the past summer are so focused on winning that champions league that maybe the rest of it doesn't really matter that much to them as much as it does to say Arsenal, who have never won it and their players have never won the competition apart from um, the lads who came from us. So it's like we've been here, we've done this, we've done it four out of five seasons. If we're to miss out on this one, does it matter as much? Obviously, players are always going to be, you'd like to say players are always going to be up for stuff, but maybe they're just not going to put that extra bit in. Um, maybe they're just a bit tired of. Of, of, of life at City, quite a few of the players, and that's just rubbing off on, on others. We know Bernardo Silva's wanted to leave for, what, three summers now, and um, he'll, he'll probably get his move in the summer, so he's not happy. Cancelo's been on the phone to his agent, according to certain people, and, and all sorts of trying to agitate for a move, so that won't help. Um, 
Guardiola, obviously, when we don't play well, will speak his mind and he'll fall out with players. We know that happens. He'll fall out with people all the time. Um, so it just seems like he's probably rubbed up a few people the wrong way. And in turn, that's just led to a vicious cycle of performances not getting better um, and, and, and us just not being as, as strong mentally in, in the Premier League as we've, we've seen us or even in the cup competitions. So we might need a Champions League game just to get us back going, you know, back into the swing of things, perhaps when that starts going again and we start to go into the running uh, towards the end of the season and we realise, right, we're going to have to go for it now. Maybe it takes getting to that stage of the season before we wake up and realise how much we've got to play for. And, you know, you can't waste a season. It's a short career. You've got to make the most of everything. Um, so yeah, it seems like there is a bit of trouble there, um, and that's rubbing off on the tempo of the game, and that in turn is rubbing off on the fans who are as excited by the team at the moment. I saw a tweet earlier. It's like, oh, uh, I think Man City put it out, and it's like, love this team, and it was everyone hugging and stuff like that. And I thought, do I love this team more than I like the teams of the last five years? No, I don't. There's individuals that I really like in this team, but do I love this team as much as I've done in the past since Guardiola joined? No, it's probably the most dislikable team I think we've had since Guardiola's joined in my eyes it's not as exciting as it's been Haaland's exciting I love watching him every time he gets the ball but the rest of the team I'm not that bothered about apart from a few individuals that I like because the personalities and I like seeing Ake do well I like seeing Grealish do well but in terms of a unit probably the most dislikable team I've seen in you know six or seven years wow quite strong comments then um Gary, I mean, what do you, do you feel that this team is as good as or strong as what we've watched in recent years? Um, Arsenal had, had an exceptional season. There's no two ways about it. So if they'd not had an exceptional season, uh, then we'd have we'd have been alongside them. But they have had an exceptional season. They've lost one all season. They've not drawn many, won the games. You know, let's give credit to other other teams. To say dislike the side, Jesus, I mean. I can't swallow that. I'm sorry. You know, some of our fans have had, they've had nearly 10 years of the best football ever seen. We've won the league title four out of five. We've won, we've won Trope, we've won uh, Carabao Cup, God knows how many times. We've played a football that ev everybody in the world wants their team to play. So I can't swallow, dislike this team. I didn't say I dislike no. the team. I didn't say I dislike the team. I said it's the most dislikable over the past six or seven years. Most dislikable? Why? Why are you saying it's most dislikable? Why? Why? Because because we're uh, a potential eight points behind Arsenal. No, because of the way we play. I don't think we're fast enough. Oh, and I don't okay. think half the squad actually wants to play for us at the moment. Well, you keep to writing. You you keep to writing because obviously <laughs> you do watch the same as I watch. There's no there's no lack of effort from um, uh, Bernardo Silva when he came on. There's no lack of effort from anybody that was on that pitch last night. And if you did, then point him out because I didn't see it. But having said that. You know, teams are getting better. Teams are getting better. They're spending more money. They're bringing better players in. So we're not going to have it our own way as, as we've had. I don't think we've had it our own way for, for the five years that we won it four out of five. I do not believe that. And the teams are getting better. Only Liverpool, because they've not invested, really, are the ones that start to lag behind a little bit. Chelsea, I don't think there's a player for any side that they're not linked with or bought. So... They will, they will be better next season. So just, so to say, we're not fast enough. What have you? I'm sorry, I can't, I can't agree with you. And well, look at I, I, I agree, I agree. We, we're not playing the type of football that we played. But you know, let's give a credit to other teams now. Other teams are, are working out 
how to not let us be as good as we are. So, you know, let's give a bit of credit to the other other teams. Let me introduce the subject of Haaland, um, who obviously um, it sounds like Adam's a bit of a fan of. And, and why wouldn't we? I mean, his goal scoring record is phenomenal. However, um, you know, you watch his general gameplay and it isn't the same standard as his finishing. Um, you know, he's, uh, we used to have a player called Tony Cunningham, uh, for those who've not been a City fan for a long time. And his nickname became, certainly from the group of people I was in, Trapper Tony. And the reason they called him that, which is uh, obviously after an Italian footballer, was not because they compared him to the Italian footballer, but because Trapper Tony couldn't trap a football. You know, he was a big centre forward who uh, caused problems in the way that he played, but found it difficult to control the ball at times. And as much as I'm a big fan of Haaland and wanting to succeed, you know, I do observe sometimes that his control isn't great. And he's I've heard it all now, Ian. Ian, I've heard it all. First of all, the team that is dislikable, and now you're saying you're comparing Harlan to Cunningham. And Jesus Christ, now I've heard it <laughs> no, all. No, 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 I'm not. I'm There's not. only our young lady that needs to top it off and then bring it all. <laughs> and now I've heard it all. You're comparing Harland to Cunningham. Which Cunningham? Laurie Cunningham, okay, I maybe go with. But Cunningham, I'm sorry, I cannot go with that. And and trust me. Tierney, if there is a worse referee than him or equal as bad, I've yet to see him. I spoke to you before we came on air. If Tierney would have booked Dallas at Leeds, and I blame him for breaking his leg, Dallas would not have made that challenge on Jack Grealish that broke his leg. He would not have done. Tierney is a poor referee, as there are many poor referees. And I'm not saying that uh, just to pick on him, because there's plenty that are as bad as him, but... but he, he gets up there with them with the worst. Now, if that defender last night of Arsenal holding, if he had not got on his back and he did give him a, a piggyback from the halfway line to the 18-yard line to get a free kick, then he's never going to get one. Right in the first early minutes, he brought Haaland down on the edge of their box and he, I think he gave a free kick to them, I think. Oh, and one in the second half, forget all the other ones where he's got his arms all the way around him and kicking him from behind. And tell me, if I'd have been Harland and Ortega would have been knocking that ball above my head on the halfway line with, with a 16-stone defender coming ready to smash the back of you, can't even see him, I'd have been having a word with Ortega. If you're going to knock it into me on the halfway line, knock it to my chest at least, at least he's got to come through the back of me. But when it's above your head, you're going to get bashed. And he got bashed up and down there yesterday. And, uh, and for me, I thought, under all that pressure, I thought it was excellent. Now, I, I'm sorry, and, and you've watched it for a long time, but you can give me any comparison, but Cunningham and Haaland, I cannot go with that. And if you put this out on podcast and everybody doesn't fall over hysterical, please tell me. <laughs> I can't wait for another comparison. I'm not comparing the two players. They're a million well, miles it sounded apart. Like that to I'm me. talking about his control. And, you know, that, that, that part of his game isn't as good as, I mean, you can't argue with his statistics. His goal scoring, he's a beast. He drives the team forward. There's lots of pluses to Haaland, but he doesn't he doesn't uh, link the play together as well as he, he should do. He played up he? front on his own for 90 minutes. Played up front on his own. Nobody alongside him. I thought Alvarez might have linked up with him. He didn't. Every ball knocked into him. His son comes smashing him. He got one into his chest and somebody smashed through the back of him. Came off his chest and went about 20 yards, but the guy came right through the back of him and smashed him. 
I suggest you watch that game again and have a look at the balls that he did bring people into play. Let, let me bring in the sensible member of the podcast then, which is clearly Louise. There's got to be a third coming. I can't wait for this. But come on, please tell me Bernardo Silver is like uh, is like Minnie Mouse or something. I can't wait for the next one. So, so, so me and Adam have, have obviously, you know, been dissed by, by Gary, which is fine because Gary played the game and I didn't. That's got nothing to do with me playing the game, Ian. There's nothing wrong with your eyes or my eyes. So <laughs> it's only about what we see. It do not matter whether you played it or not. You've seen enough games to have equally good uh, opinion but maybe you're having an off day everybody has an off day in <laughs> go on louisa rescue me uh well um i'm, I'm not gonna get into trouble um no i i kind of also feel like when a player how a player receives a ball which is exactly right about him being smashed all over that pitch and it's not the first game where harlan's been smashed around the pitch um it's how he's receiving that ball how it's been passed to him and we were under a, a heck of a lot of pressure at the back so the, the balls coming coming out of, of the back of our you know defensive area were just not perfect that, that they just weren't it was almost like our, our players were just firing them out just to get them out of the way they weren't going to anybody in particular so I feel that yeah I did notice obviously when Harlan touched it somewhere around the middle of the pitch he's not only got someone biting at his back and pushing him around and grabbing him but it's also a bit of a wayward ball that's not particularly coming to him because there's some great opportunity so I do feel like he's, he's sort of trying his best to, to make the best out of a bad situation as well as some of the others are um and I, I, you know, it, it, it's so unfair when games are predicted by the referees because we do know there's a lot of bad referees out there and there's been a couple of games in the last few games where referees have absolutely not been on top of yellow cards and getting on top of players that are taking our players out purposefully. It's kind of not the opposition side because if they get away with one or two little digs and little niggles or pushes or, or trips, well, they're going to keep doing it like you would because all you want to do is stop our team from scoring and getting ahead with the ball. So they're going to keep getting away with it if they can. So it's not even the opposition's fault. It's the referee's fault. So the referees, <laughs> we all know about referees. We don't need to get onto this subject. But I feel that a lot of that last night was down to the refereeing and, and them not being on top of it. And eventually, what was he called in beginning with M for, for, for Arsenal? Eventually he got his yellow card, but he should have got it in the first few minutes, as Gary said. And then that would have quieted him down for the rest of the game or most of the game. And then Haaland wouldn't have been pushed around as much. You know, it's really, really good that he's so strong and you're right, he is such a beast. But if he continues, to, a bit, bit like Grealish, He's constantly being, did you see him? Do you see him at the end of every game? He's absolutely full of grass, full of mud. The guy is constantly on the floor because he's constantly being beaten around the pitch. And, and it's sort of good to see because you can see he's being very, very physical and he's changed a lot. I forgot to mention him before when coming back from, from the World Cup tournament. He's changed. He's the player that we wanted when we bought him. So kudos to, to Grealish for getting himself dirty, you know, and getting on the floor. Um, and, and I think him and his relationship with Haaland, um, I'm, I'm led to believe they're friendly sort of off the pitch as well, is that um, they're playing for each other at the minute. If they're not playing for Pep or if they're not playing for the management or if they're not playing for the rest of the team, it's good to see that they're trying to help and feed each other as well. So, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Ian. 
in a way that Haaland's not particularly maybe doing the best receiving or passing. But my opinion is, is because he's not receiving the best balls. I think we're just learning how to play with him. Um, I think we're, we're in a process of us getting used to each other. I think because of the amount of goals he scored, it's easy for people to think, oh, he's fitted in so easily, he's fitted in really well, etc. I didn't expect him to score as many goals as he had this season. But actually, the issues that we thought City might have with him have still existed in terms of us having a striker, and therefore not being as active around the rest of the pitch not, and, and almost playing with 10 men at times because you, you, he's, he's up front and he's waiting for the, the goals and opportunities to come to him. So those problems that we thought would arise have arisen, but they've just been masked by the fact that he's such a good finisher that any chances he gets, he finishes anyway. Um, so I think it will take time. Um, I'm, I'm under no illusion. I, I think we'll just get used to him. Um, we'll probably bring in a fast winger to be able to cross in um, some outswinging balls to him rather than cutting in and... Um, uh, and, and putting in swingers, etc. And I think that'll help him. I just think we'll grow and learn how to play with him a little bit better. And it just looks a bit disjointed at times this season. And I think at the moment, in a quite controversial opinion, the City of last season is better than the City of this season. We're better, at, we're better without Haaland at the moment, but I think that will obviously change. I'd rather obviously have Haaland um, because I think we will learn to play amazing football with him. And we've probably got more chance of winning the Champions League with him than without him because they're one, it's one a moment rather than a whole season. Um, but I think as a team, we were a lot better in the false nine system last year because we were used to it. We played it for two years than we are now with sort of a disjointed nine. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that'll change. But at the moment, I think that's probably one of the big problems in the team. One of the things that I take from Louise's um, passionate uh, statement is, in it, I don't really need reminding of this, but sometimes it is worth reminding us ourselves is that we're watching the best era in Manchester City's history. We're watching fantastic football. And although we do a weekly podcast and I do my YouTube channel and whatnot, and of course, there's no point in us doing this if we're not going to analyse and we're not going to try and, you know, look at all the minutiae of everything. Well, that's what football's about. You know, it's, that's what you do with your mates when you go to the pub or when you come home from the match, you talk about it and, you, if, you know, you, whether it's good or bad, you sort of finding fault. Um, but City is second in the league, City in the last 16, the Champions League. Mind you, I watched Leipzig the other night, so don't don't take this one as red. Uh, they were playing against uh, Schalke, well, my, uh, my German team, uh, at Schalke and won 6-1. Um, and are second at the moment in the German league. So they are uh, playing pretty well. So that's not a done deal, that one. But nevertheless, City in the last 16 in the FA Cup uh, and having eliminated two very good teams, by the way, in the, the fifth round of the FA Cup, uh, within touching distance of, of Arsenal in the league, the two games back-to-back, -back, virtually back-to-back -back against Arsenal still to come. Wow, I can't believe how lucky I am. I have to pinch myself to go to games and... Uh, I, I thought the, the atmosphere, even though I've seen some people saying it wasn't that great, I thought the atmosphere last night at the game was very good. I think the fact that Arsenal had a lot of supporters, and ironically, there's been a lot of debate listening to that podcast last week about where the away fans should be housed. The fact that they were next to the most vociferous City fans, I thought the chanting that came from that end was terrific and was a lot higher in volume than we're used to. I love away supporters. I think away supporters are crucial in football. Um, and, and that's what, what 
you know, create some of the magic. But we're still watching some amazing footballers playing amazing football in the name of Manchester City with the greatest coach that this club has ever had and probably will ever have. It's not a bad time to be a blue, Gary, is it? Far from it. Far from it. But, you know, when uh, when I get on my horse about uh, about the Harlem uh, thing, you, all of you need to have a look at the game from start to end. Have a look at the balls that he played in, that was played into him, how he, how he collected it, how he brought other players in. Have a look at the ones that perhaps he didn't and have a look at, 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 at maybe... I would say fouls against him. Not all of them, because you, you, you're not going to control every ball. And, and I'm going to ask you this question. Why are you watching that video? Malicia, I think, uh, of United, that's how you pronounce his name, fouled Mares seven times and didn't get a booking. Last night, Tommy Yasu fouled Jack Grealish, and you can count them, I would say six times, and never got a yellow card. Sometimes after the ball had gone. So if you're telling me that that Tierney knows is something from his elbow, then, you know, I don't think... The only thing he's got in common with the referee, he has a whistle and a black outfit. That's the only thing he's got in common with the referee. He does not know the rules of the game. Because if he did, you give, you give decisions for the most ridiculous thing where somebody might just bump into somebody or a tackle that you, your momentum takes you through. It's not aggressive or it's not dangerous, but your momentum, if you make a challenge, you can't stop it's not like a rope on you to pull you back when you made the challenge. You remember meant to say too, you can get an easy yellow card for, for nothing. And that Tomiyasu on Grealish from behind, probably five out of the six was from behind. And sometimes after the ball had gone, he never got a yellow card. I've just looked at it now because I found out only Tierney and Holding got uh, got cards. And now Holding only got one card and not a red card because what he did to, um, to uh, Harland it could have easily been off. And no coincidence that Holding went off at halftime uh, for Salibar to come on because he was on a yellow card. And he would, well, probably not with Tierney, but he should have probably had two yellow cards in the first half. Just have a look back on that, in, and then maybe we have another conversation about the Harland controlling it, how he was fouled, even when he couldn't. OK, you give the ball away a few times, like everybody did. There's no two ways about that. And then have a look at the fouls that Tommy Yasu did on Jack Grealish, just like that militia did, six he did that militia did seven and still never got a yellow card neither did that Tommy Asu it'll be interesting to see Gary I absolutely love you being on the podcast you're brilliant you always are I bet the other two don't <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get you on again um, obviously City's last three games were the the comeback win against Tottenham the 3-0 against Wolves the 1-0 against Arsenal the next three games are away to Tottenham um, a home game against Aston Villa and then the big one against Arsenal down at the Emirates. W what do you reckon is going to happen in those three games, uh, uh, Gary? Like as Pep's already said, we have to almost be perfect. Um, they're five points ahead of us. I don't know who they've got the, the game in hand, but uh, the way they're playing, you'd imagine they're, they're going to win it. So if they get to eight points, we cannot afford to drop points. So... It's, it's difficult games, but once you get uh, the Tottenham away, which we don't seem to do well at Tottenham in recent years, um, and then we take on Arsenal, um, it'll give us a good idea going into games that really are favourable, I would think, because we've got Villa, I think we've got Bournemouth, and we've got 
I've just been looking at it, I can't remember. Uh, Villa, Bournemouth and somebody else, I can't remember. Um, but we've got three games that are winnable games, I think. So, um, you know, those two games, you don't look at games from one now to end the season. You have to look in tranches. You have to look in the next six games, what we've got and how many points we need to get that six points. Because we're eight points behind. We obviously, without stating the obvious, we need to win all the games. And especially when we play Arsenal, because that is a typical six points. It's not only that they'll go three points further ahead of us, but we lose three points. So it's it. we've got games that's coming up uh, that we have to win. Tottenham, Arsenal, and depending on what they do, because the lead might get too far in advance, that, that no matter what we do from the end of the season, it's up to them dropping points. And looking at what they've done so far, where they've only dropped, well, a minimum, I think, they've only had one loss and they've had one draw thing. It's phenomenal what they've done. Any other season, they won't be that far ahead of us. So let's get the Tottenham Arsenal out of the game. And then we've got maybe three games that's coming up that really should, uh, two at home and one away, I think it is, that, that should be giving us maximum points. But in, in this league, who knows these days? We have to look at teams taking points of Arsenal as well to give us that little bit of a... a a chance to close that gap because as long as they keep winning, it's putting more pressure on us to keep winning because as soon as we drop points, that gap is going to get bigger and bigger. But we'll Forest in there, Gary, I think. Forest. Yeah. yeah. We've got Forest away, we've got Bournemouth, I think, away, and we've got Villa at home. So really, there should be nine points that you're looking at. You should be. But before you start looking at that, the most important ones are the Tottenham and the um, and the Arsenal, and in particular, well, Tottenham. We've got to put. We have to beat Tottenham. I've no, I've no two ways about it. We have to beat them, and then we go into Arsenal, and we've. And if we can't beat them, we can't lose. And it's then, always phenomenal, honestly, uh, Gary. I can't wait to get you on again. Um, uh, listening to you. Um, also, big thanks to Louisa and Adam. Um, we'll do another podcast after the Tottenham game. So uh, that'll be on the, we'll record it on the Monday after the game is on the Sunday. So there'll be a little bit of a, a gap now before we do our ne next uh, podcast, uh, which gives everybody a chance to refresh the players, the manager, us fans and everybody. I know I'm going to have a nice week next week without having to think about where am I travelling to. I'm going to go to, I, the last thing I wanted was another trip to Arsenal the week before when we were going to play them in the league as well. Um, so thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much to Adam and Louisa. Always great value to the hero of mine, Gary. He's always been a hero anyway, but a broadcasting hero as well, even if he disagrees with me from time to time. We can live with that. That's what makes a good debate. So, Gary, thanks very much for your time. Always appreciate Watch it. Watch the game last night. Watch it again and we'll have another conversation. Watch the game. <laughs> I will, I will. I have before I came on. <laughs> so thanks very much for listening and make sure you share and spread the word around get people to listen to the podcast and thanks again to Howard solicitors who support the podcast very much appreciated guys uh, but if you don't remember anything else you don't remember what Gary said you don't remember what Adam and Louise or I said just remember this one thing it's great to be a blue <laughs> <laughs>